sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy Monday to you. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Mish, along with Davis Maddock. We had a fun fantasy football weekend. It's time to get to it. Davis, great to be back with you here on the show. Hope you enjoyed some very compelling stories coming out of the weekend and some injuries as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's probably the headline this week. Jonathan Taylor, high ankle sprain. Javante Williams leaving that uh, Sunday afternoon game on crutches. According to Adam Schefter, the team is not feeling particularly optimistic. My guess this week is that we will get the uh, the news coming across our desk that Javante tore his uh, his ACL, which is a huge bummer. I mean, we we definitely we would love to come in every week, never leading with uh, with injuries, but that those have got to be the big headlines this week. Yeah, no doubt. Waiver wild will be huge this week in fantasy. Let's get to our headlines as we begin the show here on this Monday. How about the backup quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, Cooper Rush? He improves to four and zero as a starter. And the Cowboys defeat the Washington Commanders. Kenny Pickett looks like he's the starter now for. The Pittsburgh Steelers. He started the second half in the loss to the Jets. The National League East looks like it's all but over, but it is the Atlanta Braves sweeping the Mets this weekend. They can clinch the division tonight with a win over Miami. And Wisconsin ends up firing their head coach, Paul Christ, and names Jim Leonard their interim head coach. Uh, Wisconsin certainly not the only team making coaching changes this season. We've seen a lot of college football coaching moves happen in this early part of the season. But naturally, Davis... One of the other uh, hot topics last night, the Kansas City Chiefs, they go to Tampa Bay, a 70-point uh, performance between those two teams, Detroit and Seattle. Detroit looks like the gift that's going to just keep on giving this season. I mean, almost 100 points, I think, between those two teams as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, probably I, I would say just start anyone who's playing against Detroit and start any Detroit Lions player you have, right? Amon Ross St. Brown, Hawkinson, Swift. Jamal Williams, like Josh Reynolds had a good game. We got Tom Kennedy out here. I mean, it's, and, uh, you know, more power to Jared Goff, who I think a lot of us have kind of, you know, laughed at over the years. But, uh, I mean, look, the, yesterday, uh, yesterday's Seahawks-Lions game was the 15th highest scoring game in NFL history. We just, uh, I, just don't, I just don't really think we can, uh, I just don't really think we can look past that stuff. And, um, I mean, for the Buccaneers, like, what an uninspiring football team. Just really doesn't look like they want to win games. Uh, they, they start out every game, you know, basically immediately 10 points down because they are so hyper fixated on running the ball on first downs. Then they're punting. Like, it just feels like every game the Buccaneers are immediately down 10 points. And uh, probably the most interesting fantasy note from that game last night was that uh, the tide did not turn for the Buccaneers offense until Rashad White started playing over. Leonard Fournette, uh, White scores a touchdown, 15 PPR points for him last night. And, uh, I mean, just watching Fournette play, this is this has always just kind of been the worry. He's not very explosive. He's just very reliable. But, uh, when again, when you're starting every game down 10 points pretty much, reliability doesn't really cut it. Yep, no doubt. And uh, we have another undefeated team in the NFL. Davis, it didn't look like that early on, but... Uh, one of the more, I would say, exciting second halves, too. The Philadelphia Eagles storm back behind 14. They're down 14 nothing to Jacksonville, and they end up taking that thing. And Jalen Hurts, you know, obviously when we're talking about the MVP this season, he's putting himself in that conversation. And uh, also exciting finish with Baltimore 
and uh, and Buffalo, uh, you know, some you know coaching decisions there, and that Baltimore didn't kick a field goal they went for, it, they didn't get it, and then Buffalo just comes down and ends up winning the game. Well, which was Harbaugh's point after the game, right? They said, "Why didn't you just kick the field goal?" Well, I mean, if they kick the field goal, uh, guess what? Baltimore's still going to go down the field and score, right? Like, uh, like getting those three points there does not have any material impact on the outcome of the game, and and we always do this, right? I mean, we, we did this with Staley last year, and it has totally neutered the Chargers, right? I mean, the Chargers are unrecognizable from the team that we saw last season because Brandon Staley just got bullied by the internet. And, uh, you know, I think the internet is going to try and bully Harbaugh into changing his mind. But, uh, I, you know, he has he's a, a little bit more experienced, a little bit more tenure. And, I mean, uh, uh, to a man, every player quote after that game – Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, the defense, they all were like, yep, 100%, we're with the coach, we were with the decision, this is what we want to do. I think Mark Andrews' quote was pretty good. He was like, he was like, you know, I, I'm a dog. I love to attack. So, like, I love that Harbaugh always puts his faith in us uh, on, on the offense. So, I mean, obviously I have no problem with with going through for the throat there, but, I mean, just these these people who cover the NFL who don't really get it, they, they're always going to have trouble with those decisions. Yep, no doubt. That's what happened yesterday as we are almost complete now with this week's NFL game. We do have one more game tonight, which we will preview coming up a little bit later on the show. So stay on the grid for that. But coming up next, it's time for Davis and I to run through our fantasy standouts from the week that was. And naturally, there were a lot of huge performances yesterday. So we will go through that here on the show. We'll get a DFS preview of tonight's game and then we'll do some fantasy reality and the sports grid 60 for sure. Uh, you know, and Davis also, uh, real quick, just in college football, I'm sure you're paying close attention to this, but how about the Kansas Jayhawks being a bigger or a shorter favorite to win the conference than your Oklahoma Sooners? Didn't see that coming at the beginning of the year. Well, I mean, very much deservedly so. Jalen Daniels uh, should should be the Heisman favorite right now. No player has been more impressive. No player has meant more to their team than Jalen Daniels. I, I'm very excited to have college game day at uh at lawrence kansas so yeah absolutely absolutely no problems with that yeah fun stuff happening in college football and pro football as well but coming up next fantasy standouts from the week that was in fantasy football we'll have it for you next right here on fantasy sports today don't go away SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish and Davis Maddock. It's time now for us to take a look at the fantasy standouts from the NFL over the weekend. And we always begin with the quarterbacks. Huge surprise at the top, though, this week, no question, is Jared Goff and Geno Smith leading the way. Goff threw for 378 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception, along with a two-point conversion. We also have Geno Smith who threw for 320 passing yards, 49 rushing yards, and three touchdowns for Geno. Tom Brady in the garbage time last night threw for 385 and three. Russell Wilson ended up throwing for three or a total of three touchdowns yesterday, ran in one, and then Patrick Mahomes 
obviously uh, would have had a monster game had the Kansas. Well, it's still a really good game. Don't get me wrong, but Kansas City was up quite big in that one. Also, uh, Lamar Jackson had a great game yesterday. It was just J.K. Dobbins scoring all these touchdowns on the one yard line for him. I think that kind of stunted his day a little bit. But look, uh, at this point, Davis is very obvious that the Lions' offense is good. Their defense is not good, and therefore it doesn't matter who they play against. And look, we're talking about Seattle and Washington, Davis, making fantasy days out of these two teams thus far this season playing against Detroit. I mean, as you said in, in the opening segment, I mean, maybe this is the entire season, and, and honestly, probably an oversight for a lot of people going into the year. Outside of a couple of fantastic players that they had, the Lions look like the best, the best team to just stack in fantasy this year on and against. Yeah, I mean, the Lions have given up the most yards in the NFL, just a shade under 1,800 yards in four games. They have given up 141 points. No other team has given up more than 115. The defense, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, the, the Lions defense, not only are they bad from a personnel perspective, they're also playing a really aggressive scheme. And when you're bad and you play a really aggressive scheme, you are just going to give up big play after big play after big play. And then the offense comes on the field. They play really aggressively. They go for it on fourth downs. Like it's just all about, it's all motion, all action all the time. So we are definitely going to be streaming guys against the Lions all year. But I, I found Goff's performance to be more surprising because no Shark, no Amon Ross St. Brown, no Swift, didn't matter. You know, huge fantasy days for TJ Hawkinson, huge fantasy day for Jamal Williams. Josh Reynolds has eight for 71 and a touchdown. Like, I, I did not see this coming from Jared Goff, so definitely hats off to him. And, um, yeah, finally a sign of life from the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson even ran for a touchdown in that game. That was probably the most encouraging thing. And, uh, you know, like we said, when Brady gets back, Evans and Godwin and Julio, it's going to look a little bit better. Uh, it definitely does look a little bit better. But, I, I mean, at this point, I'm just worried about the Buccaneers playing themselves out of contention. They just They just stink. They can't win games. Yeah, no, they don't look very good. They have a very tough schedule, obviously, for having a really good record last year, and, and that's going to be the dynamic going on this season. But my guess is they'll get it straight before the end of the year, but that was just a tough matchup for them uh, last night on paper. All right, uh, over to the running backs we go, and the breakout game for Austin Eckler happened yesterday as, uh, boy, Houston was given the L.A. Chargers fifths for about three and a half quarters yesterday, but Eckler ended up getting in the end zone three different times, including six receptions for 49 yards. Josh Jacobs with his best game in years, 144 yards, uh, five receptions and two touchdowns there. Speaking of in years, Miles Sanders didn't score all last year. He had two yesterday. Rashad Penny, 151 on the ground and two touchdowns. And then Christian McCaffrey didn't rush for much, did catch nine balls for 81 yards and a touchdown. Probably also got to have Jamal Williams on this list too. He had two touchdowns. And uh, I believe over 140 yards rushing yesterday. So naturally, running backs get, a, you know, th- this was a week, Davis, where running backs getting a little bit more active. We saw some touchdowns, a couple of hundred yard performances. It's just we just haven't seen that much of that. We finally got it this past week. Yeah, we did. I mean, those who drafted Austin Eckler were just waiting for the touchdowns to come. And lo and behold, get three touchdowns in one game. Eckler is pretty much on pace now to match his fantasy totals from last year. The usage for Josh Jacobs has really changed the last two weeks. They have have totally shelved the Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah snaps. It's just all Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think he got 34 PPR points yesterday. I mean, that is his career high. Probably won't beat that for the rest of the season. But if you drafted Josh Jacobs, sixth, seventh, eighth round, I think you have to be feeling pretty good about it. Uh, Miles Sanders, I mean, 
the, the way the Eagles have done their backfield is it really has been a meritocracy. So when Miles Sanders is playing well, no reason to take him out of the game. Boston Scott was banged up yesterday, didn't play. They gave Trey Sermon his first work as a Philadelphia Eagle. But Kenneth Gainwell's snap share actually went down yesterday, even with Boston Scott out because Sanders was playing so well. Career high, 27 rushing attempts for him there. So feel pretty good about that. And, I mean, how about Christian McCaffrey finally looking like McCaffrey a little bit, earning nine targets, scoring the leaping touchdown in the end zone? I mean, this is what we need to see. I I mean, I hope Matt Rule gets fired sooner rather than later because of uh, just how bad the Panthers' offense looks. And honestly, the same for Cliff Kingsbury. The, the Cardinals do end up winning yesterday. But, um, I mean, it just it was just very nice to see McCaffrey get used like he is supposed to be used. Yeah, a lot of, you know, coming back garbage time, a couple of catches out of the backfield. Carolina looks awful. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what is going on there, but unfortunately – Probably going to be in search of a new quarterback again, it looks like, next year. Uh, maybe even this year. Who knows? All right, let's go over to wide receiver. The best performance of the day. Maybe came in the best game of the day overall. That London game was fantastic between New Orleans and Minnesota. And Justin Jefferson had a huge day. 10 for 147. He also rushed for a touchdown. Mike Evans returns. He immediately becomes Tom Brady's top option. 8 for 103 and two scores. T. Higgins on Thursday, 7 for 124 and a touchdown. And then D.K. Metcalf, it's been rare to get these kind of games from Metcalf, but we got one yesterday, Davis, 7 for 149 in that shootout with Seattle. Yeah, I mean, D.K. Metcalf, always a guy that I have loved. And I mean, to be honest, if you had uh, if you had let me peered into the crystal ball and found out that the Seahawks would have been this aggressive passing the ball, that Geno Smith would lead the NFL in completion percentage, that he would have a 7.9 YPA. I would have spent my entire summer drafting the crap out of DK Metcalf. You know, I just had a lot of questions of like, well, how aggressive is Pete Carroll going to be? Is Geno Smith even going to be able to play decently? But uh, Metcalf and Lockett, uh, actually very similar to Tyreek and Jalen Waddell. They are the only pair of teammates, those those four guys, the Dolphins guys and the Seahawks guys, to have over 50% of a team's targets just going to two guys, which means you can start Lockett every week. You can start Metcalf every week. I mean, you just don't even have to think about it. And sure, you're going to eat some four for 40s and some three for eight teams or whatever, but you're also going to get some 10 for 105, you know, some multiple touchdown games. So I, I think I think Metcalf and Lockett are some of the biggest surprises this year for fantasy. All right, let's cap it off with the unpredictability at tight end. And wouldn't you know, at the top of the list is TJ Hawkinson in that wild game yesterday. He had eight catches for... 179 yards. He also had two touchdowns and a two-point conversion. Mo Ali Cox of the Indianapolis Colts, six receptions, 85 yards and two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had nine receptions for uh, 92 yards and a score. Gerald Everett, five for 61 and a touchdown. And then Zach Ertz, five for 47 and one touchdown yesterday. Seems like the only real reliable option this season that shows up every week, Davis, is Travis Kelsey. And then beyond that, I mean, Andrews, I guess, up until this week, but it's a lot of coin flipping, it feels like. Yeah, and just a quick word on Andrews. I mean, absolutely no reason to panic there. He ran a route on every single one of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks. But TJ Hawkinson, little factoid for you here. Yesterday's game against the Seahawks, the seventh highest single-game fantasy score of all time for a tight end. Uh, that was a, a bigger game than Rob Gronkowski ever had. Uh, it had matched all but one of Travis Kelsey's career games. You just uh, it's, it's a real unicorn performance, and I like to appreciate those when uh, when we see them. 
Yep, George Kittle will uh, cap off the week tonight. We'll see what he ends up doing if he shows up on our list and outdoes one of these performers. We'll take a quick timeout here on FST. Coming up next, Andrew Erickson is in the house from the pros. We'll break down what happens in tonight's game. We'll take a look at the DFS options, of course, on both sides, the Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. We'll have some fantasy reality or the Sports Grid 60. So stay on the grid with us here on this Monday as we continue on right here on Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Davis Maddock. More fantasy discussion, daily fantasy. Come out back. Stay on the team. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mitch along with Davis Maddock. Let's bring in Andrew Erickson of Fantasy Pros here on the show today. We're going to get into tonight's daily fantasy matchup for those of you looking to play the slate tonight. We've got Andrew in the house. Of course, Davis will have his opinions as well. Andrew, great to have you back here on the show. What's going on? You know, just trying to come back down from a great week four of action. I'm excited to be here. All right. Thanks for uh, popping on the show. All right. So let's take a look at the slate tonight in uh, in Daily Fantasy. We'll see if we can help people get an edge, make some money tonight. We'll start off with the pricing here. And let's start off with Cooper Cup at wide receiver. Of course, he's going to be the highest uh, you know priced player. And naturally, his total in terms of receiving yards is always about 100. Andrew uh, Matthew Stafford, we have 15,900. Debo Samuel, 15,6. Jimmy G at 15. Jeff Wilson Jr. at 12, Brandon Ayuk 11,400. So, Andrew, let's get started here. Take a look at this uh, these numbers here, and then, Davis, I definitely want your opinion as well. How are you going to parse a lineup tonight? Well, I think I'm going to start with Cooper Cup somewhere in the lineup, either in the captain spot or the flex. I mean, I know he's coming off one of his down games, which we barely ever see, but I'm not going to overthink it and, and try to talk my way out of not playing Cooper Cup. I, I think that if you're not going to play him, then – you know, whatever, you're going to pay the rate. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm going to play mm-hmm. Cooper Cup. So, at least from that side, from the Rams, and I think the way maybe to get a little different is to not play him with Matthew Stafford necessarily because Cooper Cup, he can rack up a ton of receptions, which doesn't necessarily always translate to Matthew Stafford. He's got to throw touchdowns to really pay off. I mean, you look at what he did against the Rams or against the 49ers last year, 13.5 fantasy points per game. Like, not great production from Matthew Stafford despite Cooper Cup continuing to ball out. I like on the 49ers side, I like the receivers. I like Ayuk and I like Brand or uh, Debo Samuel. Both these guys had a 28% target share last week, even with George Kittle back. I'm concerned that without Trent Williams for the 49ers, they're going to keep George Kittle in to block more. And that just means a more concentrated target share between Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And the Rams have been bleeding fantasy points to wide receivers. Like Jalen Ramsey, yeah, he's one guy, but he can't cover everybody. And they've just been giving up a ton of completions, which in the PPR setting is just going to get you so many points with some of these uh, 49ers wide receivers. I tend to, uh, I tend to agree. I mean, if I, uh, well, I will be running 150 lineups tonight and I am definitely considering just locking Cooper cup and Debo Samuel across all of those. I think they are far and away the best options tonight. You know, I would not be surprised if we played this game 10,000 times, those guys ended up in the optimal lineup 70 or 80% of the time. I mean, they are, Cooper Cup is the highest projected player of the game. Very rarely do we see 
skill position players projected higher than both of the quarterbacks, but that's the spot we are in here. And Debo does not do so well from a median projection perspective because the projections are just all – Debo breaks projections because he scores touchdowns at a rate that basically no one else in the NFL does. I'm also pretty interested in Jeff Wilson Jr. He only gave up a singular carry to Jordan Mason last week for the 49ers. And I, this line also – does not make a ton of sense to me. My, my gut instinct was just to bet the Rams. Uh, but uh, it is it is worth noting, uh, Kyle Shanahan has way gotten the better of McVay since they have both been the coaches of these respective teams. The only loss for the 49ers coming in that conference championship game. But uh, yeah, Craig, pretty interested in Jeff Wilson Jr. And then my, uh, my, my off-the-board play tonight would be Ben Skoronek. Six targets is last it? week. He's like playing like a fullback. In this offense, it's actually pretty cool what McVay is doing with him. But I'll, I'll say Ben Skoronek scores a touchdown tonight. Wow. All right. Uh, taking a leap out there for Davis tonight on uh, Ben Skoronek. I like to hear that for the Los Angeles Rams. Now, naturally, Andrew, we have you here because we want to take a look back at what happened this past week in the NFL and uh, and some new quarterbacks it looks like probably going to be making starts next week. We knew that Zach Wilson was going to be starting for the New York Jets. And, uh, you know, certainly he engineered a final drive that led them to the win. Uh, you know, 252 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, I, I guess there's there's reason to be mildly optimistic, I suppose, with Zach Wilson. It's just, you know, we're kind of going on wondering if this is going to be legit. Uh, but naturally, there's still some time for him to get it figured out. And his development was kind of stunted at different times last year and even with injuries this year. Yeah, I think it was a mixed bag from Zach Wilson. I think that, you know, the first half, you know, I definitely think he was shaking off some of the rust. And we obviously saw during the second half of the game, he started to improve a little bit. His completion percentage went up and obviously on the final drive, getting the Jets the W. So the thing that you have to remember, though, the offense looked a little bit different without Flacco. They didn't throw the ball 50 times. They threw the ball 36 times, which, which matters dramatically because the most targets we saw from a Jets receiver was Corey Davis with seven, you know, we were seeing guys in the double-digit targets for the Jets, multiple guys, in, including running backs, tight ends. Tyler Conklin was seeing like eight targets per game. So Corey Davis was the leading receiver here. Elijah Moore, only four targets. And we thought that maybe Elijah Moore would have a resurgence with Zach Wilson. That that, that, that tended not to be the case here in this particular matchup. So um, I think that it's encouraging what we saw from Zach Wilson. I think from a real-life perspective, it's good for the Jets. But I don't love that the passing volume went down necessarily. And that's something to be concerned about. I think that also Wilson is still going to struggle against pressure, you know, against the blitz. He was horrible and they're playing Miami next week and Miami blitzes a ton. So uh, Miami DST is probably going to be on your uh, streaming radar. I mean, if they, if they do blitz and, and make his day uh, not, not that fun against Miami, I, I would anticipate more passing volume for the Jets. They were, they were kind of able to run the ball and work their way down the field against Pittsburgh because they weren't chasing a huge score. I, honestly, my opinion is uh, Zach Wilson looked way better than I expected. I kind of thought he would come in and look like an untrained labradoodle, but uh, you know, led, led the team down the field for the go-ahead score. I, I, I was pretty encouraged. I, I would say my biggest fantasy takeaway is if someone in your league would let you buy Garrett Wilson for 87 cents on the dollar or whatever, I would totally do that. Cause he just looks like a star. I mean, he is, he, they, he never comes off the field, led the team in targets, routes, runs, snaps, all that good stuff. And I just like, I don't care. This dude could be playing with Justin Fields as his quarterback. I don't care. He, he is so good. Yeah, a lot of red zone attempts at the very least for Wilson, no doubt, with the New York Jets in that game yesterday. All right, well, uh, Andrew, we, we saw a change of the guard in Pittsburgh. I, I think we've probably seen the last of Mitchell Trubisky as a starter 
in the NFL. But the dynamic of the Steelers is very difficult because they usually don't like go into any rebuild mode. But I mean, isn't that kind of what they may have to do here? Because look, Kenny Pickett, I mean, he may be good. It's going to take time, though. He threw three interceptions yesterday in less than a full game. And I, I just don't recall the last time the Steelers went into a season, Andrew, and said, all right, like six and 11, it's fine. Let's develop. They usually have to fight. But does Pickett even give them a better chance right now to fight the season and win? It almost feels like with Trubisky, hey, horrible for fantasy, but probably a better chance to win games than Pickett right now. So I don't know what gives here. I mean, I don't know if I tend to agree with that the Trubisky was their better chance of, of winning game. I mean, look, Kenny Pickett, yeah, he threw three interceptions, but the first one on his first throw, look, Chase Claypool's got to come down with that. I, I thought that was a good throw. I think Chase Claypool... If he's going to make a play, like you got to make a play for your rookie quarterback and he didn't do it. And then his last interception was on the Hail Mary at the end of the game. Right. So really, I yeah. think he only really threw one legitimate interception and he was getting pressured. He was trying to make a play. It was a tipped ball off of Pat Frymuth and it got intercepted. So the fact that he was being aggressive downfield, I mean, he still averaged 9.2 yards per attempt. His only incompletions were actually uh, completed to the other team. <laughs> so he was actually completing passes down the field, 9.2 yards per attempt. So I mean, I, I, he was obviously spreading the ball out a little bit more. Um, Pat Frymuth was his leading receiver. And, I mean, George Pickens, he had, he had a 100-yard game. 71 yards came in the second half with Kenny Pickett. So we're starting to see a connection there. I think the team needs to get away from using Chase Claypool. Like, it's not working. Like, what they're doing in the slot and just these design looks, it's not working with Chase Claypool. And I think they need to unleash George Pickens a little bit more. And there's already a connection here between him and Pickett, which we saw in the second half of the game. Yeah, I mean, I I I thought Pickett looked I thought Pickett looked all right. I mean, I would actually even make the argument. So the the one interception, you're right, totally on Claypool. You got to help your rookie quarterback out. Like that's so bad. And then the other one was on the hail mary, which by the way, that hail mary went what sixty five yards in the air, and like I, that was a I mean not not a bad ball. And then the other one was I believe it was Fryermuth, and then Fryermuth let it go off his hands. It was it was just a tip drill. I I felt encouraged. By both of these guys, I I would though in, in terms of what, what what should we expect from this guy next week? They play the Buffalo Bills. If you uh, so even if you include the Lamar game that he just had against the Buffalo Bills, if you quarterback facing the Buffalo Bills for fantasy is averaging fewer fantasy points per game than Justin Fields, like he he is going to have a really tough time next week. It's going to be it's going to be bad. And and I like Kenny Pickett. I mean, Craig knows this. I'm, I always love the young guys, right? But uh, I, 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 it's going to be it's going to be a struggle for him next week, I think. All right, Andrew. Let's uh, quickly cap off the first appearance from Latavius Murray yesterday, as Latavius rushed for 57 yards, one reception, eight yards, and a touchdown. Are we are we firing back up our Murrays again for 2022? Uh, I don't think so. I mean. Mark Ingram was still the leader in snap. I mean, it was basically a 50-50 split between snaps. And Mark Ingram got banged up in the game. Like, so that was part of the reason why they used more of Latavius Murray. It wasn't like, oh, like, we prefer him as the handcuff to Alvin Kamara. No, like, Mark Ingram got banged up a little bit. So, basically, you're hoping for, if Murray's going to play a role in the Saints' backfield, it's going to have to take, Kamara's going to have to stay hurt with this rib injury, which, again, it hasn't, it's not going away. And Mark Ingram is still 33 years old. So, there is a path where Latavius Murray does, you know, take over the backfield duties, but I think that he's still RB three when everyone is healthy. 
I just, uh, I don't have any real take outside of that. Other than that, uh, my, my favorite stat of the weekend was that the Saints had the two oldest running backs in the NFL, Latavius Murray and Mark Ingram, both on their roster. The two that just, uh, very, that's very New Orleans Saints of them to have the two oldest guys at the position behind Alvin Kamara. Yeah, and uh, speaking of, of Kamara, boy, fantasy owners not happy at the start to his season, especially after missing that London game, no doubt. All right, Andrew, have a great week. Thanks again for coming on the show. We'll catch up with you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, Andrew Erickson from Fantasy Pros here on the show. Coming up next, it's time for some fantasy or reality. And then we have the Sports Grid 60. So stay on the grid as Davis and I will be right back with plenty more to come here on the show before we turn it over to the early line at the top of the hour. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid. Those of you who are on social media, you can follow us at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV for the latest news, notes, information. Picks against the spread, of course. By the way, I believe Davis and I both won with our picks on Friday. I'm 99% sure of that. So we'll do some more. Uh, Looking forward to that on Friday as well. Uh, But Davis, naturally, uh, before we get to some fantasy or reality, injuries are a big part of, of fantasy sports. And I would tell you that the biggest injury potentially of the fantasy season could be this injury to Javante Williams. Now, if this turns out to be anything more than, you know, a few weeks injured reserve, uh, I mean, this was a pretty high running back drafted, a non-replaceable guy, I would guess. And in watching the end of that game, Davis, yesterday, oh my gosh, my goodness, Melvin Gordon, can you catch a pass? Can you not fumble? Boone, oh my goodness. I mean, wide open. They had a chance to go back and win that game yesterday. Yeah, so I think that the primary take you're going to hear this week is that Mike Boone is ahead of Melvin Gordon. You should spend all this fab on Mike Boone, yada, yada. And, I mean, look, beggars can't be choosers. I'm in a lot of leagues where Mike Boone is is going to be probably the singular best waiver wire out of the entire year just based off the chance that he could be the lead back in Denver. But my overall takeaway is that a lot of people who, who go and spend 60% of their budget on Mike Boone, which, by the way, is fine. I'm not saying it's not fine, but I think you're going to be feeling really upset on Thursday when you set your lineup, you put Mike Boone in there against the Indianapolis Colts, who, by the way, are dealing with their own injury crisis at running back Jonathan Taylor, high ankle sprain. We can talk a little bit about that on tomorrow's show probably. Melvin Gordon is going to lead the Denver Broncos backfield in snaps, carries, and targets against the Colts. I would uh, – I would I would bet I would bet quite a bit of money on that. Um, you might not like it. I might not like it. It's just the way it is. In fact, even to start that game, I saw Ben Albright, our friend who does radio out there in Denver, saying this was pretty much predetermined by the team that it was going to be a Mike Boone Javante Williams game. Uh, you know, obviously Melvin Gordon is, I believe, twenty nine years old. A little bit of tread on those right. tires, and the idea was to kind of save him and rest him up for what is going to be a grosser, slower game against the Indianapolis Colts. Like it was already in the game plan that it was going to be more Boone than Melvin Gordon. So I, I'm anticipating probably like 18 touches for Melvin Gordon against the Colts. All right. Good luck with that this week. For those of you on the waiver wire, of course, we'll touch on that a little bit later in the week here on fantasy sports today. Now it's time for the sports greatest 60. 
All right, Davis, over the weekend, a uh, changing of the guard, no question, in the Big 12, but it is really the biggest surprise of in all of college football this season has been the play of the Kansas Jayhawks, a very nip-and-tuck game against Iowa State over the weekend where uh, Kansas ended up winning. It went right down to the wire. The Jayhawks are still undefeated this season, and naturally, the Big 12 could be dicey for sure, but it has been a really long time since the Jayhawks have been relevant. If I'm not mistaken, I think the last time they were good. They went to the Orange Bowl with Mike Mangino. I think I was at that game, as a matter of fact. I remember being there. Uh, that's how long this thing was. A long time. 2007 was last time, Brett says. Okay. Uh, fantasy reality. The uh, Kansas Jayhawks will win the Big 12. Uh, yeah, reality. So uh, for those who are not following the intimate details, uh, Oklahoma's quarterback Dylan Gabriel suffered a Tua-esque head injury against TCU on Sunday. They get walloped. Uh, absolutely no disrespect intended to uh, Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy. Actually, that's not true. I hate Oklahoma State. Uh, disrespect intended to Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State. They are uh, just like, they, they just are this boring team. They It's, it's you know, very ground and pound and get it done with Richardson and Sanders on the ground. Uh, KU versus Oklahoma State might end up being a really good game, but uh, Lance Leopold and Jalen Daniels, these guys are fantastic. They find a way to win. Uh, maybe would not have found a way to win if Iowa State had a good kicker there on uh, on Sunday. But uh, and and by the way, one of the biggest mockeries of of this whole process is that KU was not ranked until this week. They still remain behind, you know, BYU, NC State, Wake Forest. I mean, come on. Like it's and I I know like getting mad about college football rankings that's like so two thousand and four but come on guys I mean KU at twenty like grow up this is let's take our job seriously at the Associated Press yeah uh, I'm gonna say fantasy here like you know in terms of Davis Maddock when it comes to things like associated with Kansas Kansas City things along those lines there's that everything else that's great the grain of salt has to occur with a little partiality. Big, big grain of salt. Big grain yeah, of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is one of those where it's like, normally, do I just trust Davis and go with it? But then I realize that this is his backyard. There's some fandom involved. Um, Kansas is going to have a really good year. They're a very good team. They did not play well at all against Iowa State. They were very lucky to, to win that game, as a matter of fact. I, I think the Jayhawks are going to head toward a good bowl game. I think they're going to have the best season they've had, as we mentioned, since 2007. But I do not think they're going to win the Big 12. I think some other team will win. The other really problem is, is that a goofy guy like me, I cannot identify the other team because the Big 12 just looks awful this season. So door is open for Kansas, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go fantasy. I say they win uh, eight, nine games, make a good bowl game, which is a super successful season for them, for sure. All right, uh, Dallas Cowboys talking about getting Dak Prescott back. Jerry Jones after the game yesterday says Dak is on the uh, road to recovery here. Could play next week, but Cooper Rush has done nothing except for proving that he can win when given the call. So I will ask you, Davis, fantasy reality, the Dallas Cowboys should start Cooper Rush next week. I mean, come on. Like, of course, of course we're not starting Cooper Rush whenever Dak is back. Now, maybe Cooper Rush's performance, you would you would look at it and you'd go, well, he's been fine enough that we don't need to rush Dak back if he's not right. 100%. You know, if, if this was Ben DiNucci and Dak was 86%, but his hand still kind of hurt and, you know, his conditioning was bad because he's been recovering from the surgery, then maybe you give him another week. Now, again, like, let's not act like Cooper Rush has been like, you know, Tony Romo coming in uh, back in the day. Like, it's 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 not the same thing. Cooper Rush has not thrown for 300 yards. 
He, he really what what Cooper Rush has been is what they wanted Andy Dalton to be when they signed Dalton behind Dak is just take care of the ball, don't turn it over, hand the ball off to Zeke, convert third and shorts. And Cooper Rush has done a really good job of that. But I mean, and Mike McCarthy is not a very good coach, but I do think he is a good enough coach to know there is a difference between having a caretaker who just keeps the offense on schedule versus a guy who can create winning situations himself. Dak, a guy who can create winning situations himself. Cooper Rush, better than expected. I mean, way better than I thought. He was going to be, you know, kind of just taking care of the offense. And maybe it's a little bit easier throwing to CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup than, uh, you know, some of the guys who are playing with Andy Dalton. But yeah, I got, I got, I got fantasy here. If Dak is good to go, you got, you got to start Dak. Yeah, easy, easy, uh, easy fantasy. Uh, Cooper Rush has, has earned the right to be a backup in the NFL for a long time and, and maybe even a starter next year for some team if you want to take a shot on it. But uh, look, realistically speaking, come on, uh, you know, Dak is just far more ability than Rush. Uh, Rush's wins, obviously, over some t- teams that were not that great as well. And Davis, you know, kind of said it best, uh, doing a great job managing the team. But let's be honest, you're going up against Carson Wentz. There's going to be a lot of fumbling. The defense is going to get the ball. They're going to end up scoring. You kind of know how that is. Uh, Washington's looked great in one game. It was against Detroit. And we know that Detroit is just allowing teams to score 30, 40 points a game. So, yeah, I got Dak back and Cooper Rush back to the bench. And, hey, maybe uh, the Cowboys found a backup, finally, for the first time. All right, let's cap it off here with Shaquille O'Neal's comments that, you know, certainly he would be interested in joining a ownership group that surrounds, guess who, the Phoenix Suns. We know that Robert Sarver has to sell the team, or he's going to sell the team regardless of that. Uh, Jeff Bezos basically could buy anything he wants in the world, and I wonder if the Phoenix Suns are on his wish list. Typically, we haven't heard that much about Bezos and sports teams, but fantasy reality, Davis, Jeff Bezos, and Shaq would be the best ownership uh, group in pro sports. I also want to add this caveat, knowing what I know about athletes being part of ownership groups, they tend to only own a very small percent. Small now, Shaq may, yeah. yeah, now Shaq may be in a different category than some in terms of the money that he made, but I don't know, Davis, if uh, Shaq has, uh, you know, $400 million to put toward an ownership group. I'm going to guess no. Well, Shaq has actually, of all the athletes, I, I would wager to say he's maybe done the best off the court of like any athlete that I'm aware of. He has done super, super well in business, investing, you know, angel investing, all this stuff. Like he owns like a crazy amount of properties that you would not think he would. Um, so I, I don't know if I would say the best, but I would say in terms of the NBA, having an owner who is willing to spend literally any amount of money is a huge competitive advantage. For example, the Golden State Warriors this season will be the largest payroll the NBA has ever seen. It might cost the Warriors ownership group north of $400 million to pay for everyone on the Warriors roster this year because of the unique way the NBA collective bargaining agreement works where once you have earned the luxury tax, you have to pay more. And then if you're in the luxury tax again, you have to pay more. So they, I believe they are up to now every dollar they spend over the luxury tax in the NBA, they have to pay the rest of the league $5. So think about, you. Saw, they, and we saw it, right? Gary Payton, uh, there, who was their eighth man this year, helped them win an NBA championship. He wanted, I believe, two years, $18 million, very reasonable contract request, but it would have cost the Warriors ownership group $90 million a year extra to keep Gary Payton. And they just said, you know what? It's just too much. We can't pay $90 million a year to to, to keep Gary Payton. But you know who could pay $90 million a year to keep Gary Payton if they wanted to? 
Jeff Bezos. I mean, that is that is wiping his nose money. So I, I actually think it specifically for the NBA, NFL, it doesn't really matter. Uh, don't know enough about hockey, but I would say I would say reality. He could pay whoever he wanted, however much he wanted. Yeah, it's interesting because when you Google these like net worth things, I don't think that they're accurate a lot for the athletes because we really just don't know what they've done away from basketball. And you're probably right. I would say that Shaq is up there as far as like investments after basketball. Maybe Magic Johnson is probably at the top, I would guess, uh, of all. And he's with the Dodgers ownership group, by the way. And obviously to me, that I think, uh, so I think this is fantasy. I think the Dodgers are always going to be uh, number one with what they're doing. But would you guess Davis, uh, you know, knowing a little bit now about, I know about the Marlins and Derek Jeter and what he put into it, which by the way, Derek Jeter, Davis put like, you know, 4%. It was like, know 30 million or 40 would you would you think Shaq has like 400 million dollars if they buy the team for like 2 billion do you think that he would ha- that he could respectfully Shaq come up with like a half a billion dollars to put into a team you think he has that I would guess that is probably quite high 400 million I I would I would say well, and also one thing we do know is like there's not really a better investment in North America than putting a bunch of money into a sports team. I mean, it's like these are like guaranteed like 8%, you know, annuities or whatever. I mean, you're just printing money. I would guess push come to shove, Shaq could come up with 100 million. That's my guess. 100 million. And and that by the way for an athlete is like crazy money. I mean, that's it. like Shaq has done so well off the court. Yeah, so that's like you know 10%, maybe 5%. It, it, it kind of feels along uh, along the lines. Then Bezos would have other investors too. He wouldn't do this by himself, although he could. 100%. And that's kind of how it goes. So I'll, I'll go fantasy here, but this is no indictment on Shaq whatsoever. It's just I think that there are some better ones out there. And, um, you know, again, you wouldn't know who the general manager is going to be, who's going to be running the team. Everything would be gutted. That's just, you know, sort of the way that ownership works. But definitely interesting because I love Shaq. I'd love to see him part of any ownership group for sure. All right, we'll take a quick time out here on the show. We'll come back with the Sports Grid 60, and then we'll turn it over to the early line at the top of the hour. I'll be back here for Newswire at 2 o'clock. So stay on the grid. We'll be back after these short messages. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. As we wrap up our show today here for this Monday, let's turn it over to Davis as he has the Sports Grid 60. I wanted to talk a little bit about tight end scoring because I think we are we are at the point where something has to be done. Um, you know, Dalton Schultz zero points yesterday Kyle Pitts one catch for 25 yards yesterday Darren Waller I think eight PPR points yesterday now Hawkinson obviously had the huge game so that kind of goes against my argument but I I officially next year in the leagues where you know I I have a direct line of the commissioner I am going to petition for tight ends to be removed and just be placed in the flex it is the the haves and have-nots of that position have gotten so intense it's it's like when you used to 
when when the guy who drafted Ladanian Tomlinson in your league just won. It's like if you draft Kelsey or Andrews, you pretty much just win your league, regardless of whoever else you have. No more, no more tight ends. We got to do something, Craig. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's gotten absolutely ridiculous. And speaking of Kelsey, you know, there's one thing that I, I wasn't sure a hundred percent. Maybe I was ninety percent sure about going into the season. But I, I got to be honest, like going into the year, was Patrick Mahomes going to be as good as he is being the best quarterback, arguably in the NFL, maybe one of the greatest of all time with Tyree Kill gone? And and I think we found our answer. And the answer is he still is. It doesn't matter who is with him. Now, I, I, I don't want to say that I was skeptical about it, but I definitely had my questions because Tyree Kill is like a generational wide receiver. Look what he's doing in Miami. It doesn't matter who's at quarterbacks. Guys getting 10 catches, 150 yards. But it does not matter who Mahomes has. This guy's one of the best of all time. And any player who's playing with him should be lucky to play with him because I don't think we're going to see another guy like him ever again. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to our graphics department. Thanks to LPN. And, of course, our guest today on the show, Andrew Erickson, for my co-host David Matic and my producer, Brett Levy. I'm Craig Mish. The early line is next. And then I'll be back with you guys 2 o'clock Eastern for another edition of New Bar. Enjoy the rest of your Monday at Monday Night Football. We'll see you tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern. Great, great.